This is the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. The neurohacking show where we teach you how to optimize your cognition. Keep up to date at roscoeswetsuitneuro.com. Now here's your host, Toby Passman. I recently had the pleasure of being interviewed by Paul Beam on the True North Man podcast. Paul and I had a really great conversation in which we talked about why I pursued my career into neuroscience, what psychological issues can be treated with neuromodulation techniques, how effective this treatment can be, along with how your brain performance can be maximized with these technologies. I've included a link in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and listen to that show, I'd highly recommend you guys go check it out. On the show today, um, we're going to have a show about ketamine, which was traditionally used as an anesthetic drug, but has uh, since had some other applications uh, regarding uh, different sorts of pain disorders, along with mental health conditions, including depression and PTSD. And on the show with us today to speak about ketamine, we have Dr. David Majubi. And Dr. Majubi is a diplomat of the American Board of Anesthesiology. He earned his Doctor of Medicine at the Chicago Medical School and completed his residencies at the UCLA Ronald Reagan Medical Center and the USC LA County Medical Center. He is the recipient of numerous awards and honors throughout his academic years and has been recognized as a top doctor, best anesthesiologist by Los Angeles Magazine multiple years in a row. Dr. Majubi carries over 15 years of experience with intravenous ketamine and is the author of multiple publications in the medical field. So Dr. Majubi, super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So... You are an you're you are an anesthesiologist. Tell me how like what was your first experience even hearing of ketamine or seeing it in clinical practice? Right. So I was in residency in anesthesia at USC or LA County Hospital, and I had this professor, Dr. Kanga, and he loved ketamine, and he was actually one of our best uh, anesthesia professors at USC. And he just showed us various uses of it. We would use it in the ICU for people who needed to be sedated. We would use it post-operatively for people who, for example, had been using a lot of opiates and opiates wouldn't uh, touch them for their post-operative pain relief. So we would start a drip of ketamine and that would work amazingly well. And then of course there's uses um, general anesthesia, specifically pediatric anesthesia. Because ketamine is not a respiratory depressant, it has uh, an amazing uh, use for, for pediatrics because we can sedate a child or even a six-month-old without uh, worrying too much about their breathing going down or their oxygen level going down in the blood. So that's when I uh, first uh, encountered ketamine, used it for three years in anesthesia residency. And then uh, I joined Northridge Hospital, which is in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. I was using it there. And then uh, I have a couple of friends that are dentists and oral surgeons, and they asked me to help them with conscious sedation at their dental offices whenever I had time. So I would go there and uh, do kind of a mini ketamine drip with uh, some other medications. And a lot of these patients would uh, text me or call me days after and tell me they felt amazing. And so I looked into this and 
uh, found out that there's this whole field of psychedelics and anxiety and depression and uh, looked into it more and really just uh, registered a domain, uh, was planning on doing it, maybe doing ketamine infusions for mood, maybe once every two weeks. And it just slowly grew since then for the past seven years. So now I uh, do this full time and uh, do anesthesia three times a month, but uh, have the clinic open 20 days a month. So for my research and understanding of, of ketamine, we it sounds like we don't know uh, completely how it's working in the brain to relieve depression and some of these other conditions, although we do certainly know some things. Can you kind of explain how ketamine is, is producing these antidepressant effects? Right. Uh, so we do know quite a bit and every month new research is coming out. But for pain, we've known for quite a while that it blocks the NMDA receptor, which is a pain receptor. So you block the receptor, you block uh, the signaling of pain pathways or the uh, pain impulse going from, let's say, the point of origin, let's say it's in the hand to the brain being processed by the brain. For mood, uh, it works on the glutamate pathway. And so by blocking the glutamate receptor, uh, there's actually an activation of a protein signaling pathway uh, in a neuron or a brain cell. And essentially what this does is uh, creates neural pathways or new neural pathways and repairs old damaged ones. Uh, so pathways or connections between brain cells can be damaged by, by depression, by stress, uh, lack of sleep, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so what ketamine does is it repairs and strengthens connections between brain cells. Um, another, that, that's the main mechanism that we know of. Another way it works is by changing uh, the amount of electric impulses in certain areas of the brain responsible for anxiety and depression. So that's another way it works. And tell me about kind of the process of, of what people are, are going through as they're, they say someone comes in and is going to do a ketamine infusion. Tell, can you kind of walk me through the, the process and the actual experience of, of the drug? I'm aware of kind of different effects at different dosages, but okay. kind of talk to me about what, what patients are generally experiencing. Right. So most patients do experience a floaty, uh, mild dissociative effect where they feel out of body. Many patients will tell me they felt like they were floating in space. Uh, for patients with post-traumatic stress disorder, such as childhood trauma, emotional abuse, physical abuse, they may uh, relive that trauma, but in a very mild way. Uh, and of course, that's dose dependent. If one were to get uh, an excessive dose of ketamine, they could relive the trauma in an intense way. And we don't want that. That's not necessarily more beneficial. Uh, so uh, having done this for seven years, I've, uh, I've arrived at a protocol that helps me understand what, for example, a patient with PTSD would need or a patient with anxiety would need. With, with patients with anxiety, for example, you got to start a little lower because a little anxiety can be caused if the dose is too high. Um, getting back to your question, I do have some patients that only see shapes and colors and, and that's okay. Uh, many of those patients, if not most still benefit from ketamine infusions. Uh, so everyone's really different. 
but the majority feel the floaty space-like experience. And how much, I mean, it, it may be a kind of chicken or the egg question, but how much of the, the sort of uh, effects and, and improvements in a patient's, say, depressive symptoms are due to, say, the, the experience while they're on the, the medication and kind of, as you're saying, sort of maybe re-experiencing, reprocessing some of that uh, trauma, or is it just kind of the drug um, working alone or is it a combination? Like what, what do we know as far as that goes? Right. Uh, so, you know, studies uh, on that. I know there are a couple uh, uh, physicians at big ketamine clinics that believe it's entirely molecular and it has nothing to do with the experience. I would say slightly over greater than 50% of it is probably molecular. Uh, however, I do feel the experience is very important. Uh, and you can take a person with PTSD, for example, reliving that and processing uh, that trauma is really beneficial, of course, in a mild way, as I mentioned. Uh, so for PTSD patients, I think the experience is at least 50% of the uh, beneficial mechanism. For patients with anxiety, uh, the majority seems to be molecular, uh, just because sometimes the experience can be a little anxiety provoking, uh, but also there's a lot of patients with anxiety who feel a release of anxiety when they do a ketamine infusion at the appropriate dose. Uh, so the short answer to your question is, I would probably go with 60, 40, 60% molecular, 40% experiential. Yeah. It is like, you know, I, I'm aware of like with uh, certain, certain uh, psychedelics now they're, you know, working on like MDMA assisted psychotherapy, where you would actually like have a therapist in the room, you know, guiding someone through, uh, you know, an experience on that, that drug. Do you ever play around with that sort of thing with, with ketamine? And do you have an opinion as far as whether that could be helpful for, you know, a, a psychiatrist or, or some kind of other mental health professional to kind of facilitate some of these experiences as someone's under the influence of ketamine? Absolutely. I think that's very beneficial. And there is definitely a movement recently uh, called ketamine assisted therapy, um, which uh, deals with that. What I do at my clinic is uh, I don't have a psychologist come in and see everybody who wants to do that just because I feel a therapist or a psychiatrist is very personal. They, they should know your history. The, uh, the first time you explain uh, your history to a therapist or a psychiatrist uh, shouldn't be under a ketamine infusion. It should be outside of ketamine infusion. So follow-ups uh, would be beneficial. So what I do is I have patients FaceTime or do a Zoom meeting with their personal therapist or psychiatrist during the ketamine infusion. And um, we have private rooms for everybody. So uh, it's easy to do. And many patients have said it's very beneficial. So, yeah. But of course, uh, you can also get a very deep therapy session with ketamine alone. So what I tell people is do both. Do them alone and do a couple sessions with your therapist or psychiatrist. Do people ever experience bad reactions from ketamine as, as far as like bad trips, you know, and not in a medical sense of, of, 
you know, uh, not, you know, their body's not, not working right physiologically, but more in the sense of just psychologically bringing up material that might be difficult to handle, or is that not too much of a problem with ketamine? That does happen very rarely. Um, again, it's also dose dependent. I've had, uh, patients come from other clinics, um, and they told me they had really, really bad trips on the first or second infusion. And when I'd ask them what their dose was, they tell me some really high number that I, I would never have started a patient out of. So, um, the most common cause for that happening is, uh, getting too much of a dose. Uh, however, there are some people that it's just really hard to let go and uh, have that out-of-body experience, uh, specifically people who have a very strong need for control and just can't let go. And so those type of people uh, can have issues with this. So for them, what I do is I'll add magnesium, which is a relaxant to the infusion, or I'll add a tiny negligible amount of uh, something called midazolam. It's an IV benzo, or let's say an IV Xanax. And, uh, or I'll give that in the beginning of the infusion before they get any ketamine. And that really helps relax a patient and pretty much removes the possibility of a bad trip. But it does happen maybe a couple times a year. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. And as far as, you know, the, the frequency of these sessions that, that people need to, to kind of get relief from these different conditions, I believe in some of my research, I was, I was finding something uh, that was like a, a six session protocol as kind of being the standard. And it, uh, it was actually some really interesting research that was saying people often kind of felt actually a little bit worse after I think the second and third sessions before starting to feel better after some of the subsequent sessions. Are, are you familiar with any of that work? Uh, I've never seen someone feel worse after the second or third. If they're a ketamine responder, then they progressively feel better with each infusion. Uh, regarding the six infusion protocol that most clinics use, that's based on the original study that was done with ketamine, which was six infusions over two weeks. This is actually a very common question I get. And I always tell people, uh, you know, the reason why we do six is because of the original study, but it doesn't mean other schedules or numbers of infusions wouldn't work. So what I tell patients who come to my clinic is five to six, but most patients do five actually, because we have great success with five over two to three weeks. Uh, you know, some people have a busy schedule and they just can't get six infusions in over two weeks. Um, and honestly, five over three weeks, I've seen work amazingly well. I've had some patients that travel a lot for work and they did uh, five over two months and they also really benefited. So if you're a ketamine responder, you'll benefit ultimately. And do people usually experience pretty uh, long lasting changes after say five or six of those sessions, or do people need to come in for, for follow-up treatments? Yeah. So I, I tell everyone that ketamine is not a permanent cure. It's just an amazing uh, modality with uh, minimal side effects and uh, definitely not the side effects one sees with common antidepressants, such as weight gain, uh, impotence uh, in men, or uh, sometimes a feeling of numbness to the world and uh, not being very emotional. 
Now, uh, regarding the longevity of the benefits, uh, again, that original study showed that uh, it could last as little as seven days only uh, to as much as uh, six months. I've seen people benefit for over a year. So what I tell people is it's going to last you one week to over a year, but there's no way to know until we try, unfortunately. Uh, one thing I do in my clinic to extend the benefits without people having to come to, the, uh, to my clinic that often is I prescribe a ketamine spray for at-home use. And that has really helped a lot of people. A lot of my patients have called it a game changer because they'll use it as needed. If they're having a panic attack, one to two sprays in each nostril and boom, it zaps the panic attack. Whereas previously they were taking, for example, Xanax or Ativan. And yes, it would calm them down, but it also had that post groggy effect and they wouldn't be able to function, for example, at work or socially. Um, with the ketamine spray, you certainly can function after 15 minutes. Um, so uh, certainly it's the re-exposure of the brain to ketamine multiple times that causes those molecular changes. Uh, but one does need intermittent boosters, and that could mean once a month, that could mean once a year, and everything in between. I'm glad that you you brought up the nasal spray. I was actually about to ask you about that. Um, what are what are some of the? Is it pretty similar as far as the uh, the experience or what the results are from using, say, the nasal spray uh, compared to the infusions? Or can you kind of talk about the the similarities and differences there? Right. So of course, with the nasal spray, you're going to have less bioavailability, which means the amount of uh, medication that gets into your system versus how much is applied. So when I do or give IV ketamine, 100% of what I give goes into the patient. Whereas with a spray, you're going to have some loss to the atmosphere, some loss to the nasopharynx. So the estimate is around 40 to 50% bioavailability. Uh, so it's certainly not like the IV experience. We consider the IV uh, infusion to be the gold standard when it comes to ketamine therapy. Uh, but it is a great microdosing modality to, to get in a little bit of ketamine uh, every day if, if one wants and kind of keep those molecular changes in the brain from, uh, from regressing. And uh, as I mentioned, helping with any anxiety because it does relax one. Uh, now, regarding the experience, uh, I always tell patients to not use more than two to four sprays at a time. Uh, of course, if one unloaded 20 sprays at a time, they could probably get close to the IV experience, but I, I don't want that because they're not under doctor's supervision. One can fall over, hit their head, or break a hip, et cetera. Uh, so while it is possible with the spray to get an intense dissociative experience, I don't advocate that without a doctor being around. <laughs> If you're interested in learning to improve your cognition through the use of nutrition, supplementation, nootropics, exercise, and sleep, go ahead and check out roscoeswetsuitneuro.com and book a free 15-minute neurohealth coaching consultation to see if neurohealth coaching is for you. In neurohealth coaching, we review your current cognitive status and work with you to improve your cognition through the use of the latest research-backed neuroscientific tips and tools.
And as far as the the dissociation, can you can we speak a little more about? You know, I, I'm aware of kind of the uh, the effects being described as sort of like a, a detachment of sort of the the brain from the rest of the body, and so how much of that is playing into the the beneficial kind of therapeutic effects and like why why would you want to dissociate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, dissociation seems to be correlated with a release of anxiety um, is what patients have told me uh, also dissociating seems to significantly decrease uh, rumination, a negative rumination, uh, at least for that hour during the infusion. But uh, certainly ketamine is well known to decrease rumination overall on a day-to-day on a -day basis. And that's one of its benefits. Uh, as I mentioned, there's, there's doctors out there uh, who have ketamine clinics that don't believe the dissociation matters and that the efficacy is not correlated with uh, a dissociative effect. In my practice, I've noticed that some patients do better or feel better afterwards uh, if they dissociate. And uh, the reasons for that are unknown. It could just be correlated with that release of anxiety or that body relaxation. Uh, given many of those patients are typically uh, anxious and uh, tense and have a lot of muscle spasms. So they're probably getting that some of that that relaxation that they might not really ever be able to access in kind of their their normal waking lives. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, when you, we kind of like look towards the the future of of ketamine usage, do you see? I mean, like say both with uh, the infusions along with the nasal spray. I mean, with the nasal spray, are we going to see it being you know as common as you know say someone popping Prozac for, for their depression? Is it going to be taking a, you know, a, a sniff of this nasal spray or it, you know, is it still going to be used just for select cases? Right. You know, um, that's probably going to be dependent on how many uh, ketamine clinics and doctors are willing to prescribe it. Unfortunately, um, most uh, ketamine clinics don't uh, prescribe or offer the at-home ketamine spray. And that's for two reasons. Um, one is liability. Um, they, you know, for example, if one were to use it, get in a car accident, that clinic may be held liable. Um, and number two is, and it's sad to say, but many of these clinics want patients to keep coming back for booster infusions. So it's to their benefit to not prescribe the ketamine spray. So patients return. I just really saw a need for this in many of my patients, and that's why I opted to prescribe it. Um, so while I think over the next decade, uh, the prescription of the ketamine spray will increase, it'll probably be a bit on the slow side. How about just in terms of kind of the, the wellness or sort of peak performance market is, can ketamine play a role in that, you know, as far as just kind of your everyday person who's wanting to feel more happy and less stressed out? Um, can ketamine infusions or, or the nasal spray play a role? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, even for people who are not depressed or have generalized anxiety disorder, um, it can certainly uh, be a, uh, a 
mind clarifier. It can uh, boost performance. I've had a couple of patients who have come in without depression or anxiety who um, wanted to try it for that purpose. And uh, they told me they woke up the next morning feeling like they wanted to conquer the world and just were really able to focus on work much better than they previously had. So it, it definitely seems to have an amazing beneficial effect on neural pathways in the brain. Yeah. Are there any uh, areas or aspects of ketamine research that you feel like haven't really been tapped into yet or that you're excited to kind of see what happens with going forward? Yes, I mean, I definitely feel that many of the studies on ketamine um, could have more participants that uh, greatly amplifies the, the power of the study or statistical significance if there's more participants. Um, regarding specific uh, parameters, uh, there's a lot of schools of thought regarding uh, ketamine infusions and what should or should not be added. Um, I mentioned earlier that I add a tiny negligible amount of uh, IV benzo to many of the infusions for relaxation purposes. There's many clinics out there that believe that inhibits the efficacy of uh, ketamine infusions. Uh, having done this for seven years, I and I've, uh, especially the first two years, I would play around with adding it and not adding it. And I did not notice any change in efficacy um, when that tiny amount of the benzo was added. So I'd love to see a study that uh, includes that parameter and studies that uh, effect. And also uh, many clinics, uh, including myself, we add magnesium and there's a school of thought out there that magnesium actually amplifies the beneficial effects of ketamine. Um, it certainly um, has a great place for anxiety. And I tell my patients with anxiety, um, you know, if, if the ketamine spray is not sufficient, take a tablet of magnesium at home. Um, or at night, if you're anxious and can't fall asleep, it, it definitely helps. Um, and of course, you know, uh, different schedules, for example, how about four infusions over, you know, three weeks, would that be beneficial? Um, so that would be a great study to do. Uh, getting back to another topic we discussed five, uh, about five minutes ago, I did read a study a couple of days ago. It was actually a study that reviewed six studies and it showed that out of five trials, five out of the six trials showed uh, people had improved mental performance after ketamine infusions. And uh, these people wanted to look at these six uh, trials to see if there's any cognitive deficits from ketamine infusions. Because uh, certainly that's important to know. Are you going to have uh, any memory loss with long-term ketamine administration or, or any other cognitive deficits? And this review showed that uh, there weren't any. That's, that's yeah, super good information to, to know. Yeah. And, and one of the things you, you had mentioned before about uh, mag, kind of adding magnesium to, to the ketamine, that sort of makes sense in my understanding, magnesium is also an M, NMDA antagonist, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So that sort of synergistically might kind of block that, that receptor along with the ketamine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In, in some of the other research I had seen on, on ketamine and kind of what it's doing in the brain, I had seen some, some stuff about 
delta waves, uh, delta brain waves being kind of increased in, in magnitude uh, kind of uh, during the, the course of this ketamine infusion. Are you uh, familiar with that research? Delta waves increasing in amplitude or magnitude? Yeah. Um, I could see how that would happen. I'm not familiar with that research though, but um, yeah, I'll definitely take a look. Okay. Is there any other research that we haven't talked about yet? I mean, it seems like you're, you're very well read as far as the, the ketamine research. Anything else that we haven't touched on that you, you feel like is a really cool uh, area of ketamine research? Let's see, we talked about the cognitive deficits and, uh, and there's obviously the benefits from a depression, anxiety, PTSD standpoint. Um, let's see, uh, there was a, clini a clinical trial specifically addressing anxiety and that showed a benefit. Um, so that's definitely great. And there was one uh, specifically addressing PTSD and there was a benefit there. There was uh, a study with adolescents and that showed a benefit um, in the adolescent population. And um, I, I see patients over the age of 11, 12, and I've seen good results, about an 80% efficacy rate. Uh, I have a psychiatrist that actually sends me uh, his patients with uh, Tourette's and it's worked uh, great for Tourette's. And um, as you know, there, there's no cure for Tourette's and very limited treatments for Tourette's syndrome. So. Uh, ketamine has certainly helped, and, and that's amazing. There's no specific study involving Tourette's patients, but uh, this particular psychiatrist sees many patients and has noticed the benefit. And um, there's, uh, of course, the pain syndrome, such as complex regional pain syndrome, uh, otherwise known as reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And that's, uh, there's been studies on that that show benefit. I've had a couple of patients come with swelling in their extremities from CRPS. And after one ketamine infusion, the swelling has gone down. It's, it's really miraculous. There's no studies on that, but I, I've seen it firsthand multiple times. Um, so it'd be great for, for there to be a study addressing that. Unfortunately, because ketamine has been around for 60 years and it's off patent, there isn't much of an incentive for big pharma to do massive clinical trials because you know the return on their investment for the clinical trial won't be there so but that's the main hindrance to seeing a lot of other studies i see okay yeah. in terms of you know if if ketamine does kind of continue uh kind of exploding in, in popularity i've I was reading a, a kind of a, just an opinion paper about just how, you know, with the use of, of drugs like ketamine and psilocybin, MDMA, uh, these, these psychedelics that seem to be so powerful in you know, treating depression, they were, you know, kind of talking about, you know, maybe this is maybe kind of uh, the treatment of depression. Maybe this can kind of, uh, we can sort of eliminate, say, depression, anxiety, certain kind of uh, mental health disorders that we've come to just view as sort of the the norm, right? You know, especially with what's been going on with with COVID, just illuminating just the mental health kind of crisis with with what's going on. Do you do you kind of see that uh, viewpoint, or I mean, do you feel like kind of uh, in terms of just 
can can ketamine result in sort of societal shifts in in sort of mental health altogether? Absolutely, I feel ketamine can, and uh, psychedelics in general can. I um, I'm not aware of psilocybin or MDMA causing some of the molecular changes ketamine does. That's why I, I think ketamine at this point is uh, superior to the other psychedelics. Um, but certainly there probably isn't enough research. Um, I've had patients that have tried psilocybin and have benefited, but they seem to benefit more from ketamine. Um, the one psychedelic that I, I've had patients try, but I wouldn't advise is LSD or acid, just because um, if one gets too much, that can actually cause brain injury and uh, permanent changes in memory and personality. So I, I, probably, I wouldn't recommend LSD or, or acid, but I, I do believe psychedelics are the, the wave of the future, uh, probably much to uh, big pharma's chagrin, uh, because a lot of these uh, prescription antidepressants are big money makers for them. And I'm not saying there isn't a use for that, but um, certainly we need to rethink things if uh, the incidence of depression and anxiety has been increasing over time in our society, uh, despite having all these antidepressants uh, in our arsenal. So, and I, I feel psychedelic, specifically ketamine, um, is the best way to rethink the approach and, you know, uh, arrive at a, a better modality for therapy. Awesome. Well, Dr. Majubi, we're, we're coming up onto the end of the show. Any kind of last uh, closing thoughts to wrap up our discussion on ketamine? Anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Right. Yeah. I, I just feel that if, uh, you know, if, if you've tried antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications out there and either they're not working great for you or the side effects are intolerable, I really feel ketamine is the next step uh, prior to TMS or ECT therapy. Um, and my patient coordinator and I do free consultations. So you can always call the office and just ask any questions you want uh, and ask if you're a candidate for ketamine, which will assess complimentary. Uh, my website is ketaminehealing.com and uh, phone number is 866-987-7874. My patient coordinator, Alina, is amazing. She's super nice and uh, she'll answer all uh, anyone's questions complimentary. Um, and I, I've had patients come super skeptical, did not think it was going to work. And after two infusions, they're like, I'm in amazement. I can't believe how I feel. So it's definitely worth a try. That is incredible. And I definitely recommend the, the listeners go ahead and check out uh, Dr. Majubi's clinic. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. And also go ahead and subscribe on whatever audio platform that you listen to the podcast on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any of the other major platforms. We are on them all. If you guys have any questions, comments, or uh, requests for any guests on the show, please go ahead and shoot me a DM at Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro on Instagram. You can hit me up at, on Twitter at Wetsuit Podcast or email me at Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys.
So Dr. Majubi, I wanted to really thank you for coming on the show today and sharing all your expertise with, with ketamine with the listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to meet you.